Okay, uh, so hi and welcome to another episode of the Able to Care podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Andy Baker, and joining me as usual is my co-host, Nadine Sutton. Hi. Hello. And uh, we've got a special guest with us again uh, on this episode. Um, so we're joined by Joe Jackson. So thank you very Hello. much for joining us, Joe. Hello, Thanks for coming over. Uh, so Joe's travelled up from the, the wet streets of, of from Rutland or yeah. Oakham, isn't it, that yeah, you've, well. you've come from. Um, so thank you very much for joining us yeah, and, and taking the journey. Um, so, uh, today's episode, we're going to kind of mix it up a little bit, I think. So the, the focus predominantly is going to be on epilepsy and Joe has lived experience of, um, uh, living with epilepsy for, well, first CG said it was about 13 years old. Yeah. yeah. Do you mind if I ask how old you are now? Uh, 22. 22. Okay. So it's been a fair while you've had that condition. Yeah. Yeah, Nearly 10 years you've experienced it. Um, Joe also has a a few other conditions as well that we might talk about as we're going through, but we thought we'd do them on predominantly on epilepsy and we'll, I'm sure we'll touch on a few of those bits and how those affected your life, if that's okay as we go through. Yeah, that's fine. Fantastic. Um, So do you want to start off telling us, um, if we focus on the epilepsy side, you said it was 13. Yeah. Can you remember what happened? What led up to? Um, What happened during? What happened afterwards? So... I was, we were having a Sunday lunch Mm -hmm. and I was with my granddad, my brother, my granddad's partner at the time and my mum and we're all sat at the table. Mm -hmm. I I just finished. I was starting to walk towards the uh, living room Mm -hmm. and I, mum heard a crash and Mm -hmm. I was falling down by the side of a radiator. Right. And I was having a seizure. I grazed all my left shoulder from it. Right. And that's when the first one happened. Right. Okay. Do you know how long you were having the seizure for? Um, Mum said that that one was only for about a minute and a half. Right, so it okay. was quite, wasn't a long one. Um, mm. But obviously, because it was the first time that it happened, mm. they did call out an ambulance yeah, to come and check over and stuff yeah. to make sure that everything was okay. How, how did you feel afterwards? Can you remember? Um, I can't really remember because it was such a long time yeah, ago is, now. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but no, I just remember being really tired after it. And yeah. then obviously I did stay in hospital overnight mm. um, in Peterborough. Mm-hmm. And they said they said they did a few more tests like CT scans and things right, okay. um, just to check over. And they mm. that obviously at the time they thought that one would just be maybe a one-off thing. Right. Um, but then once they started looking into it a bit more, then they said that that might be not the case. Mm-hmm. Um, I was all, they got me on medication straight after that. Okay. Um, and then I had one again a couple of years later. Yeah. When I, just when I was starting secondary school. Okay. And I had quite a few throughout my time at secondary school. Right. Okay. So, yeah. That must have been quite, quite challenging to kind of in living with that at the time um not really i mean i had a good solid friendship core group right so they always looked out for me oh that's good to make sure i was fine and then the teachers were fantastic oh, okay um they were all really good yeah uh, so they always kind of knew right what to do in that situation um i think schools have definitely improved yeah on like people with learning difficulties and yeah trying to be a bit more proactive when it comes to things like that. 
Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's definitely an improvement across the board, isn't there, as far as... Yeah, you know. that's it. And there does seem to be an influx of teachers and schools wanting to have medication training mm. as well. So being aware of things like rescue medication, if, if a person needs it for epilepsy. Mm. And again, just having those I, general... Yeah, I, am, I do have rescue medication. Oh, do you? Yeah. yeah. Uh, apparently, I think it's only meant to be used if it's over five minutes long. Yeah, um, yeah. Can't remember what it's called. Buckle. Yeah, buckle. That's yeah, it. Buckle. Uh, <laughs> if it gets when Nadine steps the, in, dazzle and muscle. Dazzle and muscle. So there's actually another word in there, but I won't go into it. Or or. A- Oh, I can't pronounce it. Or a skull or something. Buckle mm. or a skull medazolam. So right. yeah. Is it the most common rescue medication? So we... yeah, it's used it's it's what it's common brand. We've got epistasis as well, but buckle medazolam is a really, really common brand, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Um and it comes in different sort of sizes and mm. well, so milliliters dose wise. Yeah. So yeah. I don't think everybody with epilepsy gets rescue meds so no um, i don't know why they gave it to me because obviously i haven't had that many mm, yeah um, but i think at the time they just wanted it me to have it just on in me, case just in case so it was always in school mm. for yeah. when i had it so. you said that first one lasted you about a minute and a half have you had ones that have lasted for longer than five minutes sometimes <laughs> Not that I'm aware of. Mm. I mean, a couple of my seizures have been unwitnessed, so oh, okay. who knows how long yeah. they could have been. Um, right. But we obviously, I don't think that usually they're not, they're only a couple of minutes and then mm. that's it. Right. Yeah, this is the problem as well. So um, when the buckles obviously prescribed to people, it's because it is because mm. sometimes we don't know how long people have been having seizures for, and we usually administer the rescue medication after five minutes. Um, that's when it's perceived to be potentially life threatening mm. and dangerous. Mm. So that's what the rescue medication's for. And like you said, mm. if you've had a couple of un- unwitnessed seizures, there's no telling. So mm. it would have been erring on the side of caution that we don't know mm. so it's best to have that for best practice really yeah, i've heard of cluster seizures mm-hmm. where they have kind of it's where you come out of recovery or you don't go into recovery you go straight back into seizure again and again and again and is that's also that's what i thought it was originally for that to to stop somebody from progressing and going into but it can be anything over five minutes. Anything over five minutes, okay. no matter yeah. what type of seizure or anything like that. Mm, That's okay. the general rule of thumb nowadays. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot of my knowledge around epilepsy is purely the first aid side of things yeah. and teaching that. And that, yeah. that's about as deep as it goes. So I'm, I'm learning too. <laughs> well, a yeah, quick question then. How many forms of, um, or how many different types of epilepsy do you guys know? So I think is I know. That? But yeah, I do. Is there five? Five. So there's... No. <laughs> so there's around about 40. I, I have 46. Yeah. 40, I thought it was 46, 42. 42 to 46. Oh, I've got my notes Types of seizures. I thought That's you meant it. like the like tonic. So, I the, think it is, yeah. So yeah. I think it's 46 different types of seizures. Yeah. So you've got your, your tonic and your clonic and your myotonic and so your tonic seizures. So there are over 40 different. So yeah. this is the most up-to-date information. Right. Over okay. 40 different types of seizures. Um but the International League Against Epilepsy identify three main types, so they are categorised and broken mm. down into into three. Yeah. Um, seizures of unknown onset is actually one, so that's where your first one, what your first one might have been labelled as, mm. or it, or it could still be labelled yeah. now yeah. for 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 whatever reasons. But there's a lot of people that only 
have one seizure mm. um, and then never have one again, but then they will still have that, may still have that diagnosis of epilepsy. Um, so you said that you've been having seizures up until, you said a year and a half ago? Yeah. Yeah, about last a year one was a half. year and a half ago. Do you know what changed? Did anything, was it medication change? Medication or? was up. Like, so they did up my right. dose. Okay. Um, my medication back then hadn't been reviewed yeah in a long time i think it was two years when it since i've been last reviewed because right, they'd okay. signed me off and they thought you know what it might be okay yeah so yeah. um they signed yeah. me off so um, when we, your last seizure was a year and a half ago is yeah. that the, the last one that you remember um and was last that- one i remember i don't think i've had any one other one since yeah so yeah, yeah. And again, stress is a lot of factors. Like, I was going to say, yeah. Do you know what a big, yeah, big factor so is? Stress for me. When I had that seizure, I was going through a lot of stress at the time. Just right. started working for Home Straight. Yeah. Le- leaving another job where things weren't great. Yeah. They weren't left on great terms and mm-hmm. stuff. Um, and it just caused a lot of stress. Mm. You said you had one and, and that's what I wondered whether mm. when you started the new school and stuff, you then had a seizure. Mm. I think that's what you said, isn't it? So, well, yeah. You know, you I don't know if that was a reason for it. I mm. think back then my medication again was mm. low right. compared and obviously puberty came along and yeah. <laughs> hormones and everything. I was going to yeah. say hormones can play a big yeah. Right, okay. yeah. yeah. So obviously growing it sounds up. Sounds like were, you had more in that time period than you have in other parts yeah. of your life as well. Yeah. So puberty seems to have been a bit of a bit of a trigger for a bit. Yeah. So mm. Mm. lovely that you had support around you though. That's yeah. really, that's really, really important. Yeah, that was nice to hear. Yeah, my yeah. friends were fantastic. I remember once I had one in the school canteen. Right. And I was sitting with my friend. He he pushed all the tables out of the way. Mm. To make sure that I was safe enough. Yeah. And then another friend went and got another one staff members to come yeah. over and have a look. That's good. And they were really good friends and still talk to them to this day. Oh, that's awesome. So yeah. Yeah. Did you um did you ever kind of educate your friends or tell them about what to do in circumstances or um, they looked it up themselves or looking back on it, like we never really like discussed about it. Yeah. Um, we we just talks about usual stuff that boys talk about yeah. at that age. Um, it's not a common chat. No. Going, Let's talk about my epilepsy. No, so <laughs> I think maybe, I don't know if they did read up on it or not, mm. but they might have had some, had a look into it. Yeah. Um, I mean, my friend who moved all the tables out of the way, he was quite a smart kid. So right. he knew quite a lot of stuff that were years beyond us at yeah, the time right um so yeah so he's probably seen teachers manage yeah. it and stuff and seen what they did and yeah kind of just going oh we just need to keep him safe in that yeah moment. yeah I think, definitely. Um, I think it's really good that you did have a really smart friend because i know a lot of people may panic with seizures mm. um you know it's that kind of well, what do we do mm. um there's a lot of old rules and stigma as well so yeah. make sure you stick a tongue uh, a spoon down on someone's tongue yeah. to hold the tongue down and think like so nobody ever do that ever yeah. that's definitely out the window but yeah it's really nice that he actually moved the tables out of the way and mm. things like that I think that's a really positive thing definitely yeah there is some some still misunderstandings out there as far as you know from a first aid point of view yeah you don't you don't restrain them you make the area mm. safe for the individual mm. like so moving the tables away was exactly the right thing to do um and say so, yeah don't stick things in the mouth i think people worry about swallow their own tongue biting their 
own tongue and those yeah. things like that. So, There's a lot yeah. of um, so make sure you hold somebody's head. We don't hold anybody's mm. head. We just cushion it if yeah. we're able to. Anything, yeah. just try and protect the person as much as possible, but yeah. not never going to restrain. Mm. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Um, yeah, we just put that out there. Make sure people know. So you, you said. Um, Obviously, you let us know uh, at the beginning that you have a condition called the George syndrome. Have I pronounced that right? Yeah. yeah okay. Is epilepsy linked to that? Is that yes. something? Yeah. Um, so the George syndrome is a chromosome disorder, and mm-hmm. it's where you have one less chromosome right. than everyone else. Yeah. That's as much as I know. That's right. as much as I can say <laughs> at the minute without looking yeah. into it a bit or on Google and that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but that's what far as what I'm concerned that the epilepsy is linked into that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's what the doctors have come back yeah. and said and sort of said, there's nothing, nothing else going on in there is just linked to that, yeah. that syndrome basically. Yeah. yeah. It's one of the symptoms about it mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. What, what are the other things that you found with um, having the syndrome? What, what uh, from your point of view, what are the differences? Um, well, I mum, remember my mum saying when I'm reading up on it and when she was reading up about it, she said mental health can be, big part of the issue so obviously mm-hmm. i have struggled with mental health yeah especially through covid and lockdown and all mm. that what uh, was it about that time that that kind of felt difficult just the isolation mm. not being able i mean i was quite an isolated person anyway i like to keep to myself but yeah even then i still went out mm. like, i still went out like maybe once every two weeks i yeah. wasn't even allowed to do that yeah and during lockdown it was literally going to work mm which was for me at the time down the road from where I was living. Right. Okay. Uh, so I had a little walk to work in the morning, walked mm-hmm. back, did 12 hours, came yeah. back home and that was it. And that was life for six to seven months. And it yeah. just drove me insane yeah. cause I couldn't do anything on my days off. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just really struggled with it. Is there a particular area related to mental health that you struggle with more? Is it is it kind of the anxiety, depression? What would you say is your, or is it a bit of both? I would say it's a bit of both. And I yeah. think a lot of it is to do with isolation as well. Mm. Uh, I'm not the most social person. I don't really go out that often, but yeah. I still, still like to be around people. Uh, but when yeah. you're stuck at home with your parents, it's not exactly the greatest thing on the world, is it? <laughs> <laughs> I have to cut that bit out. <laughs> yeah. My, so that's my son over there filming this and he agrees wholeheartedly. <laughs> um, so one of the things uh, you, you mentioned when we were talking about the George syndrome, that there is, it, it's on the autistic spectrum yes. or there is close connections with autism. Yeah. Anyway. So there is yeah. close co- connections with autism. Mm. Um, I'm I'm not 100 percent sure if it's on the autistic spectrum. Yeah, yeah. But I believe it is. You have a lot of symptoms and stuff. Yeah, that, um, that yeah. can come okay. out. Uh, so, like, I fidget a lot. Right. Uh, I, 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 that's why I like my video games and stuff because right. I don't. My fingers are always busy and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's why I probably smoke as well because I like strong. Yeah things and yeah, strong okay. senses all the and smells stuff. and the tastes and stuff yeah yeah, yeah. so there's some sensory aspects yeah. of what you yeah. yeah so you bit um are you so sensory seeking slightly then you seek movement you seek smells or is it kind of avoidant is there things like noises and stuff like that, that you find uh, sometimes or? i do struggle in crowded rooms right crowded rooms i, I do get a bit apprehensive around like sometimes if i go to the pub and it's really busy yeah I'm like, I go go for one drink and then I'm like, that's enough for me. It's, and 
the guys who I go to the pub with, they are quite loud. Right. <laughs> so they 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 are quite loud. Lovely guys, but yeah. they're a loud bunch. Right, yeah. So sometimes, sometimes it's just a bit overwhelming and I just say to my dad, I just I just need to go home. Time to go, yeah. Too much. Does it tend to be worse when you're tired and things like that as well? Or could it just be day to day? Day to day. Not necessarily when I'm tired. I think I've always struggled around big crowds. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think the reason I the reason I raise that and I, I point uh, kind of draw attention to that in that moment is because you've just been mentioned there about how the social isolation is something that affected your mm. mental well being and stuff and not having that ability to connect with certain mm. close people and stuff. Um, and I thought that that's quite worthwhile kind of linking across because I think there's sometimes a, a misunderstanding related to those on the autistic spectrum mm. that they don't like people right. or they don't want to be around people mm. and in this case if you want to be able to have that space but also people are massively important to you so I think it's it's quite yeah. useful to kind of address that stereotype if yeah. you like at that point yeah. uh, obviously my friends mm-hmm. they're really close to me yeah and I do enjoy seeing them yeah. maybe not as much as a normal person would yep but yeah I do like them that might just be just because I don't talk to them <laughs> every like day yeah. yeah like say my brother would yeah uh, doesn't mean I'm not I don't like them or anything it yeah, just means yeah. I, sometimes yeah. you can't bother to talk to them <laughs> so <laughs> they don't feel important to you in no. that moment yeah um, absolutely yeah yeah but it's nice that you kind of picked up on that of, of so related to uh, your mental health I take it you have to be quite on the ball a little bit with you know with, with the syndrome and the links to mental health you have to be quite on the ball related to that yeah. yeah um yeah so self-care and being aware yeah. of what works for you and what doesn't yeah uh, so I do have really good family support group mm. uh, my stepmom she's been a massive help right. through the years and my mum as well yeah uh, my dad as well they my even my brother younger brother who's fine as Larry now he's 19 right and when I was going through a really bad mental health patch he was he was only 15 at the time but he mm. was still there yeah thought for a 15 year old that's quite a lot to take on yeah yeah so definitely yeah my family were fantastic throughout that time that yeah. I was struggling 100%. yeah that's good so um have you found ever that <laughs> your epilepsy has impacted on your mental health at all uh I think if we put stress into mental health mm. as well, then okay, definitely, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But other stuff, no, not really. Yeah. I, I think stress is just one of the things that mm. probably induces a seizure. So see, it's a cause of yeah. it or, or triggers it slightly. Yeah. Um, have you ever experienced like um, self-consciousness or anything around your epilepsy? Or have you always kind of, because it maybe wasn't regular enough for you to worry about it too much. I don't know whether it was when it was happening regularly where it became a bit of a thing for you. But I never really worried about it because I was like, I always knew I was going to be okay. So right, okay. I've never really worried about it. Yeah. Uh, obviously, it's t- I've, I've not been able to drive yet, but... Hopefully soon once I get my Yeah, theory. I think it's a year, isn't it? Is yeah, it so year I'm a year and a half now, so that's yeah. why I've got my scooter, which will help me get around and yeah. stuff. Oh, well, con- congratulations. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's nice to have that a taste nice, of freedom. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> freedom in your life. Yeah, my, my dad got it for me, so he's said to have a little bit more freedom. Dad's winning. Yeah. <laughs> have a little bit more freedom around. So he says, and then <clears> see how you feel on that, and then maybe we'll look into getting a car in mm. a, year or so after you a bit more road aware as well so yeah yeah it's all to help with that 
And I think that's that's again another thing worth worth mentioning, isn't it? As far as I think there's a again a stereotype or a misunderstanding mm. that somebody with epilepsy can't drive. But mm. they say, yes, you have to meet certain criteria if you kind of had a seizure for a year yeah. and a half. And I'm sure that's that's understandable. Um but yeah, it's it's again, it's something that doesn't have to hold people back, especially if they get their medication yeah. sort of those sort of things. Um have you ever had uh, so I take it you were working when you had um, was, during that yeah. time period yeah. as well, when you had uh, when you were experiencing seizures, um, did the employer make any reasonable adjustments, or was that anything something that was discussed? With Again, them with epilepsy, it's very hard to make reasonable adjustments because they can come on at any time. Yeah. so you can't really get reasonable adjustments made. Yeah, um, for it's a hard it. one, isn't it? I yeah. think from. Not their perspective, it'd be a case of managing the risk. So, when was the last time you had one? What actually happens when you do have one? What types of seizures do you have? That would determine whether you loan work and all that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, but obviously, with yours, was you ever loan working at all? Yeah. yeah so, yeah. that's it. They must have looked to the risk. Well, and I thought, did have a couple of seizures uh, right. in a space about two or three months, it right. was. Yeah. And I was alone working at that time. Right, okay. The first time I had it, well, the client actually rang the office and saying there was a carer on the floor and he didn't know what to do. Right, okay. Um, yeah. But luckily, one of my mum's other employees yeah. lived over the road from him. So mm. she came straight round. Right. Made sure I was all right, rang my mum, and then that was there. Yeah. The next time I had one was about two or three months afterwards. And I felt it coming on. Mm. And I rang my mum and I said, Mum, I think I'm going to have a seizure. So yeah. she came and I had had one. Right. Um, but yeah. So have you have you always had auras? So Not, all, not all the time. No. Sometimes it can be a bit unpredictable. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I'd say 80% of the time I do really know when they're coming on. Yeah. Do you want to sort of say your understanding as far as an aura is concerned? I'd like to hear Joe's, <coughs> excuse me, Joe's experience first, mm, and then yeah, I'll talk course, about yeah. generic if that's all right. So, yeah. what what do you experience? How do you know when? Usually, I, I go a bit fuzzy. Yeah. Like my vision starts to go a bit, and everything like seems to zoom out and in quite mm, a lot. Okay. Um, my muscle joints get quite. Like almost like a pins and needles kind of feeling. Right. Okay. So that's when I'm aware that I'm going to have one. Yeah. And then my perspective on time, right, goes out the window too. So does it seem to lengthen? Yeah. yeah. It's hard to explain. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Feels like it's just distorted. Yeah. Yeah. No. So the general, generally, people do feedback about it's kind of like being on a ride a little bit. Mm. So it might be that nauseous feeling a butterfly feeling so a kind of like an up and downness we, d- we tend to hear it described as a fairground it's ride. almost like going on a roller coaster yeah yeah, yeah. i've heard it being described exactly mm, like that as well yeah. um some people say that their taste and smell changes a little bit mm. they're the ones i've heard of yeah too. yeah yeah I've got, a, I've got a certain smell or i've got a certain taste in yeah. mouth, and that lets me know yeah yeah that's it so a lot of dizziness changing what we smell what we taste some people um colors might change and things like that i think mm. i I think this is why it's labelled aura, if you believe in auras. Not that you do. But yeah, other, other forms of auras. We see auras around mm. people. Anyway, 
<laughs> um, but yeah, it's usually described in in that kind of way. Yeah. So, but that fuzziness as well, I've heard that being described a few times, definitely. Mm. I have had. I remember um, many years ago that I heard that um, some individuals get deja vu. Yes, deja vu. Deja vu. Yeah, that's another one that I get. Like sometimes I, I have like a memory, mm. and then it happens like immediately after that. Right. Yeah, it happened like yeah. so long time ago or something. And yeah. It's like, yeah. Well, I've heard that's um, so an aura essentially, as I understand it, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but um, an aura is basically a partial seizure. So it's part of the brain being affected by this kind of electrical malfunction that then is an indication that it's about to kind of take over the whole brain. That, yeah. That's as, as I got that right. You have got yeah. that right. And I think it's worth just saying what ep- epilepsy actually is because we've yeah, not, we've we not said that. We haven't really said it, have we? Yeah, yeah. So someone, someone with epilepsy described it really well to me. She just said, imagine all your lights are off inside your brain and then one light comes on, but then the rest of the lights come on and just in that area and they're all burning so bright. And she just explained it that it was just too much electricity inside different areas of her brain mm-hmm. and it affects how people have a seizure maybe how long they have it for affects yeah. what happens to them before and then after the seizure as well so partial mm-hmm. is just probably one area on one side of the brain yeah um and that's where you can get auras with with the partial right, okay. but with the aura is usually because it is it's going to spread to both areas of the brain or both hemispheres. So you've got sort of three different types. You've got your partial focal seizures. So Mm -hmm. one area, simple, um, so simple partial uh, focal seizure can go anywhere inside Mm -hmm. the brain. So where it goes can actually impact on what happens to that part of the brain. So say if we had it inside the temporal lobe, we might get a bit of memory loss after because that's where memory lives. Mm. If it goes into the front part of the brain, frontal lobe, that might affect that part of the brain and the change of behaviour for a little bit after. Mm. But usually people do turn to, re- to return to normal after. So well, their, their normal ways after, mm, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Um, but then we've got complex um, partial focal seizure, which means it covers one whole um, hemisphere and mm. not just one area of the brain. And then generalised seizure is both hemispheres. So, yeah, yeah. generalised is where you tend to get your typical seizure state, isn't it? Yeah. Kind of the whichever type it is, tonic-clonic or... Yeah. Um, uh, just to explain those terms, I don't know whether you're familiar with those terms, tonic, clonic. Before, There's quite yeah. a few. It sounds like a drink, doesn't it? Like gin and tonic, <laughs> clonic. Um, but yeah, so tonic tends to be rigidity, doesn't it? And yeah. clonic is the convulsions typically. And then you get different combinations of those two or yeah. just one or just the other. It's okay. really hard because they, they all sound very similar. So yeah. you've got myoclonic, tonic, clonic, tonic, atonic, absent seizures. Yeah. It's really worth knowing. So anybody that does support people with epilepsy, if you are, if they are medicated and things like that, um, especially in the work that obviously we've all done and what we do, mm. it would be worth knowing what what type of epileptic seizure. And usually the, mm. the neurologist will let carers know and things like that anyway. But if you are supporting anyone, just look it up on YouTube or look yeah. it up on Google because it's really worth knowing the signs and symptoms of that particular seizure. And usually it's done in the yearly first aid refresher so people yes know what it is. <laughs> yeah, know what to do in the action. But I think one of the interesting things I found when I did do some some work around epilepsy, I think you mentioned, I think it, if I've got this right, the myotonic seizure. I believe that they don't necessarily or individuals with that don't actually kind of blank out or or um 
un- unaware their muscles just suddenly do random movements and things like that. So did, you, did you mean myoclonic? Myoclonic, sorry, myoclonic. <laughs> That's it. It's so easy yeah. to get the language mixed up. But no, you are. You're yeah. right. Well done. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. <laughs> um, one thing that I didn't realise, though, is um, so absent seizures, mm-hmm. I think I thought were partial seizures. No, not always. So yeah. absent seizures, let me just go back here. They're generalised, mm. so it means whole whole brain. Yeah, I think the reason uh, for that, so uh, have you ever come across absent or heard of absent seizures yeah. before? You have, yeah. I don't know if you're coming out on first aid training or something, but yeah, there's children out there who have that and it's not recognised, it's sometimes perceived that they're daydreamers or ignorant, like ignorant or rude. <laughs> in or their own like world. That. Yeah, in their own world. Because yeah, that absent seizure could just be where they kind of just zone out for a second and you might get a little bit of eyelid flickering and chewing and things like that and then mm-hmm. they kind of snap back out of it again. Yeah, they can, have, they can have those up to 100 times a day. Mm-hmm. So, so it's a lot, but usually those ones are not overly harmful i'm not going to say they're never but mm. they're not usually lower level intensity yeah that's it yeah. yeah and a lot of people that have the absent seizures children in particular do tend to grow out of them as they get a little bit older yeah yeah i know the uh the focal seizures as well which is the partial seizures mm-hmm. some individuals can kind of keep walking and talking but mm-hmm. not be aware of what's going on so there's a vulnerability for them kind of just walking into a road and not being aware that they're walking into a road yeah that's a focal seizure as well isn't it that yeah not your typical, there's none of the convulsions that people think about around epilepsy yeah so. it's worth just noting then that there's just been some language changed mm. um so i always go to epilepsyaction.org okay. because that's the most up-to-date information around what what's the name of certain seizures and things like that so there's lots of different wordings and things like that even in america some of the terminology is different to what it is here in the uk so I'd just always be aware of that if you are researching into epilepsy and just, yeah, because yeah. it can get so confusing. Yeah. It can yeah. get really confusing. You don't confusing. need to name all 40 different <laughs> no. types, do you know, really? But on Epilepsy Action, there is videos that actually demonstrate what this type mm. of seizure may or may not look like or those sorts of things. We we use it a lot in our training. So mm. we use um school videos. They're not traumatic in the slightest, no. but they're really good ways of recognising Okay, so that would actually be classed as a tonic clonic or, yeah. or whatever it whatever yeah, else it could be. Yeah, that's yeah. it. So it's definitely worth worth knowing and researching if you're going to have a look. Have you, uh, you mentioned um, the first seizure you had, um, where you actually injured yourself and you, you hurt your arm. I think you said. Mm. Have you injured yourself on any of the other seizures yeah. at all? Yeah, um, quite a few head injuries. Right. Okay. Uh, last one I had, I cut my head open. Right. Uh, so I have got scars on my head, yeah, which right. are from there now. Yeah, um, yeah. And then another one was another head injury as well. Right. Okay. But other than that, uh, not not oh, really injured myself. I've kind of been it's bad around enough, people. You've got the scars to yeah. prove it, kind of thing. Yeah. I've kind of got people around me usually, so usually they remove all danger. Yeah. But obviously. And you're alone. It's a completely different. Yeah, definitely. Thing. So let's talk about the the reasonable adjustments. Um, you're right. I think it's 100 percent hard if you don't know when they're coming and stuff. But I think um, I think I remember reading a statistic years ago that the individuals with epilepsy are one of the most significantly underemployed groups, um, as far as um, and, and yeah, maybe there's some understandable as far as vulnerability of loan working or driving could be a factor that's related to. I remember kind of looking into it at the time. I think it was a quality and diversity training I was doing, uh, and they sort of said there is still reasonable adjustments like. 
having a place if if somebody is more likely to have a seizure if they're tired then making sure they've got somewhere to go if they are tired to rest or to relax mm. for a moment or if it's stress for instance it's just that your stress levels have been monitored a little bit to make sure you're not mm. overloaded with work and those sorts of things that there might be reasonable adjustments so i think there is some things that worthwhile employers being aware of but the other thing that you mentioned there one of the things that your your school friends and the teachers big reasonable adjustment is making sure people know what to do in the event of a seizure yeah so, <laughs> so i think to... keeping training make sure people have the right training yeah yeah. Obviously, with the profession that we do, first day training is done yearly. Yes. So a yeah. lot of people know what ones are. And so. it's not just uh, me who might be, have, who has seizures. Yeah. Residents have them as well. So obviously, yeah. they are aware and they can put measurements in place. I mean, with the breaks, if I'm one of those people who's at work, I don't like to be quiet. I don't like to not be busy. Yeah. So yeah. for me, going out and fight, have it and Two asking for it. Wouldn't uh, suit you. No. And <laughs> uh, I would feel quite bad about it as well. Yeah. Because yeah. say it's not fair on other people. So I'm one who just likes to usually just get on with it and just yeah. get on with working. So have you ever had. Um... Because I know that one of the things we talk about in in first aid as well is so you got the timings mm-hmm. and you mentioned we've already mentioned the kind of the five minute threshold, which is a thing in first aid that if it's over five minutes, you call nine nine nine. I know that's one of the things that some individuals with epilepsy don't want an ambulance calling because mm. there's nothing they can do and they feel like they're wasting the ambulance's mm. time. Um, obviously, with head injuries and things like yeah. that, then it's, it becomes irrelevant. Yeah, yeah. You're now dealing with the head injury more than epilepsy. Have you ever had the ambulance called yes. for you? And Yes. And how did you feel about that? Did it affect or were you kind of... Um, so, I mean, I think out of... I think I've had about 11 seizures in my life right okay which is what i can remember so um first one obviously ambulance mum wanted the ambulance out because she wanted to know what was going on she didn't know anything about it at the time Mm -hmm. uh when i had the ones in school they got out an ambulance but i never went into one right um and that happened for quite a while and then obviously when i had my head injuries they did call our ambulance yeah just to make sure and then the last one i had i did have a head injury on that one as well but the waiting times for the ambulance was like six seven hours so mum drove me to hospital right so yeah so you you have been checked over a few times then as far as just just going um yeah, because I think that's one of the things, isn't it? Whether they should or shouldn't and stuff. But I suppose it's air on the side of caution to a certain degree, isn't it? Yeah, um, I think there's a lot of people out there that do feel uncomfortable, especially when it comes to our service mm. users um, and the people that we look after that in some care plans we don't phone an ambulance. If yeah. they've had the rescue medication, it's worked and they're okay, we don't phone them. So I, I looked after one individual, she was 15, and her... Mm. Um, seizures centred around menstruation. Right. So we kind of had an indication and we knew, but in her protocol, it was never to phone an ambulance. It was to get her comfortable, let her sleep, make yeah. sure she had a rescue medication and that was that. So it just depends on the individuals. Yeah. But, but I do think this carers, and I know I've been worried, like, do I phone an ambulance and stuff? I personally think if ever in doubt, mm. always call an ambulance. But also, of course, if they're unconscious or if they're not breathing and those yeah. sort, you just follow your 
all, all of those things that we've we've been taught in first aid. Yeah. <laughs> I mentioned to my employer, I said, unless you think that there's been a serious injury or something, yeah. I said, never call an ambulance, just always call my next emergency contact. Yeah. Get them to come. Yeah. It's so individual. Yeah. So yeah. I, that's what I said to them. They said, don't worry about calling out an ambulance every time because it's not needed but unless yeah. you think that i've had a serious injury or something yeah and um, it's that's it isn't it that having that conversation with you going look what's your preference yeah. what should we do and stuff like that is, is i think to- um a lot of employers are starting to get a bit more comfortable with mm-hmm. employing uh people with epilepsy yeah um i remember i went for a job once and I mentioned it in my interview and I didn't get the job. So yeah. I, yeah. but I think people over the past five years since I've been working, I've become a lot more comfortable with employing yeah. people with epilepsy because there's a lot more support now and a lot more things that people can get yeah. to help out. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think across the board as well with, with the, um, the other aspects of your life that are differences. Mm. I think people are generally getting more comfortable of going, oh yeah, just because somebody has a difference doesn't mm. mean that they are not employable or can't do a good job. Yeah. And I think there's a, a general improvement in yeah. in stigmatization and stuff like that across the board. Um, yeah. So is there anything that you kind of wanted to ask around epilepsy or anything? Do you feel well, it's just something that I come across very often. So I, I did support another individual with epilepsy and she hadn't had a seizure for three years and she was on medication mm. um, and she really wanted to come off medication. So she went to, supported her to the neurologist and she says, I've not had a seizure for three years. And they said, but you've not had the seizure for three years because you've come off the medication. I'm not saying that everybody that has to stay on medication for life or anything like that, but it, I don't know from your perspective, Jen, are you happy to take the medication? I am. I mean, I was in a similar boat. Mm. Uh, I had uh, about a gap of about a year where I wasn't on medication. And I was doing quite well. That year I was managing to stay with my seizures, didn't have any. Yeah. And I I grew a lot. So then my body kind of was adjusting yeah. and I had to go back onto my medication. Right. Um, but for me, I would always say to people, don't risk going off medication. Yeah. Um, because you it probably will and you end up you having more seizures. So I would my yeah. advice to people would be probably stay on medication. It's just something that people will have to get used to. Yeah, taken. I suppose I don't know what habituation's like around medication, though, in epilepsy. Would it would it be a case of the constantly have to keep up in the doses over a period of time? Um, so from my experience, that didn't happen, yeah. but it just kind of depends on frequency, mm. um, yeah. intensity, all those things. So neurologists, I think, will find lots of different ways. And if they, if they find one medication that suits that mm. individual, they will continue to stick to it and stuff yeah. like that. But obviously things change. So yeah. there's a lot of um, people out there wanting to get pregnant so they have to be careful which medication yeah, they're taking yeah. and things mm. like that it's changing circumstances again other medications may interact mm. loads of different things yeah. even being yeah. ill can impact on a person's interference and all those sorts of things so but yeah usually yeah. most people do take that decision to stay 
carry on. But yeah. I can understand why it might be daunting, daunting for other people to be like on medication for life. I, mm. I get that. I yeah, completely yeah. get that. So yeah, just individual. I think it's important to make sure obviously you should only come off on the medical advice. Oh, if you're going to come <laughs> Don't bring <laughs> yourself. When I was first taken off my medication, so what they did with me is they started by lowering down the dosage. See where the other. So I had a gradual mm. Re- mm. reduce of yeah the amount I was taking. And then I came off it after, mm. a, I think it was a period of six months. So yeah. I was on a thousand. I was on that for two months. And then I was on down to 500. Mm-hmm. And I was on that for about a month. And right. then they got me down to 250. Right. For another three months. And then they took me off it after that. Yeah. Yeah. So. I think that's, um, that must be quite a big decision to make from mm. a, from an individual point of view, though, as far as, okay, we, we're lowering my dose to sort of see whether I still need it. But then obviously you work so hard to like get your driving license. And you know, you've got to be a year before you're allowed mm. your driving license. And then it's that case of if I stop though and have one, then that's not me driving for a year. So yeah. it must be a really kind of big I way mean, up, isn't the it? The DVLA now say you can drive on the epilimic medication. Right. So don't be like, just because you want to drive that you have to stop taking your medication because you can still drive yeah even when you're on medication if you've been a year free yes so what i'm saying is if you drop your dose down and that then means you do have a seizure then you're back to potentially waiting for a year again yes i mean sometimes isn't it sometimes you can get an exception off the doctor so the doctor sometimes can write saying yes had a seizure, but this was down to the medication being reduced. So right, it might take okay. a while for the body to adjust to it. Yeah. Maybe it's not so much a year that mm-hmm. you can t- st- stop driving for. Maybe it'll be for three months or something right, just, just into the, that time. Oh, and okay. then they'll ha- give you your license back and stuff and then you that's can good. carry on. That's, that's, that's good worthwhile information kind of knowing i think into it for us yeah definitely yeah. okay fantastic um i think we um well there was one other thing i've got mentioned here and um, you mentioned it related to language um have you so have you heard the term fit before having a fit yes yes does that bother you as a terminology or anything? no yeah not really I've, i think it, i think it's the common word for it and it's obviously yeah. people used it in institutions years yeah. ago and I think it's just grown throughout the times and people use it still. I mean, don't bother me. Yeah. It's just another word that people use for things. So yeah. I was um, yeah. saying to Andy, I was at the Goose Fair on Friday and one of the rides said, do not ride if you have epilepsy. Do not ride if you have fits. <laughs> it just, yeah. I was like, okay. <laughs> I was like, I don't know. Were you saying this because it had a connotation around like a child having a fit, like a paddy? So like when I spoke to other stuff, people, yeah. they've sort of said, well, fit, like, you know, a fit is something that you say when a small child is not getting their own way sort of thing. Yeah. But if it, I think it's individual again, isn't yeah, it? I've yeah, I've never heard it used in that context. So I don't not? think of it having a fit. Maybe it's just Leicester language. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that wouldn't surprise me so okay fantastic um well thank you so much for joining us joe that was really useful and and some really good information there and it's nice to hear that kind of lived experience and what you've what you've experienced but actually it sounds to me like epilepsy has just been a very very small part of your life and it's mm. just something you've you've encountered in some ways it's almost like a 
I had a tough day today. And that, yeah. <laughs> but it, it, especially now that you've come out and you've got the medication sorted and, and getting to drive and stuff like that, that must have been frustrating for a while to kind yeah. of wanted to do that and have some, that thing to aim for and not being able to. But it sounds like you've, you've kind of, it's, it's just a very small part of your life. Yeah. That sounds of it, which is, which is good. Yeah. Really good. Mm. Uh, I don't know if you have anything else to add. No, um, no, other than just thank you. And obviously, thank you for talking about the rescue medication as well. Because I think, mm-hmm. um, again, if, if people are supporting people with epilepsy, they do need to be trained in it. Yeah, that's, So that's promoting a, us a little bit, here, but at the same time, <laughs> it's called rescue medication for a reason. Yeah. So um, there does need to be a standard that needs to be met, make sure mm. that we've got the correct dosage, right person, all that kind of stuff as well. So get yourself on some epilepsy training if you need to. Even just awareness, but then the rescue medication as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, perfect. We could recommend a company, can't we? Yeah, of course. Um, (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Joe. That's been really appreciated. And and thanks a lot. Cheers. Thank you. Thank you.